Welcome back to the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'm here to talk about a couple of topics. This might be actually a little more topics than I usually bring up on the pod. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Steph Curry returning against the Suns, but it's a disaster game for the Warriors, and I'll talk a little bit about that game. Uh, We had a bunch of games last night, but the injury status report was insane, and that's kind of what I want to talk about and what it means for the next TV deal with the NBA. Also watched uh, the Nets play the Celtics last night as well, which was a fun game, but I'm going to get into some Ben Simmons stuff uh, regarding this game, obviously. Um, I did come across an interesting social media experiment about LaMelo Ball and Carmelo Anthony that went viral. Uh, It wasn't my experiment. It's one that I came across on social media, and you guys are going to want to stay tuned for that one. I'm going to play you some sound from that. Uh, And I also want to bring up a quick LeBron thing. Uh, I feel like I haven't really talked much about LeBron on this pod, and I've kept my promise on not giving you as much Laker content because it's boring, and it's always on TV, uh, whether the Lakers suck or not. And I just want to refrain from, you know, talking about things that you could just flick on your TV and just hear it pretty much on command, right? But let's get right into it. So, Warriors versus the Suns. Now, Warriors at home, right, where they were 17-4 and going into this game, okay? It was the Steph Curry return, right? But here's the Phoenix Suns lineup. Dwayne Washington Jr., Mikael Bridges, Torrey Craig, Dario Saric, Bismack Biombo. Okay, so no Chris Paul, no Devin Booker, no DeAndre Ayton, no Cameron Payne, No Cam Johnson, right? Warriors lineup, Steph Curry, who obviously was back for this game. Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, obviously back. Draymond Green, Kevon Looney. No Jonathan Kaminga, right? Pretty much. So never in a million years would I think that the Suns B team would beat the Warriors, especially at the Warriors home court, right? Like that's, that was, man, I... (laughs) I don't even know like what to what to what to even say to a loss like it's a really bad loss and you know the Suns played great defense but it was that kind of game where it was like were the Suns defending well or were the Warriors just having a bad night right and to that I say it's a combination of both right it was a combination of both so they were causing the shot clock violations, which isn't easy to do against the Warriors because the Warriors move the ball insanely well. Their ball movement is is pretty is as clean as it gets, right? It's pretty damn perfect ball movement. Uh, they do get a little loose with the ball sometimes, and they could be a little turnover prone, right? Um, but you know, when you have a team with difficult shot makers like Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson, um, shot clock violations shouldn't really be an issue right, for the most part, because you always have a guy to kind of give a bucket or give the ball to so they can go and get a bucket, right, and then when, when it gets crazy, right, when the situation gets a little hectic, um, but the Suns had a couple of, they, they definitely uh, had a lot of shot clock, a couple of shot clock violations against the Warriors, which was impressive, you know, so definitely the defense stepping up, and I got to give credit to Bismack Biombo, right, not a big stat line, but a traditional shot blocking, you know, rebounding center like Biombo. Um, you know, undersized center, but really causes problems for a team like the Warriors. Like he's super strong. I mean, he's built like a truck, 
right? He really overpowers Looney and Draymond on possessions where the ball is in his hands and he's right under the rim. Like, he's just bullying these guys. And mind you, Bismack Biombo, not an offensive threat, right, by any means. Uh, but he will take advantage of his strengths, which are his strength, <laughs> right? Like, he, he really takes advantage of his build, you know, and not afraid uh, to show that uh, down low in the post when he's being guarded by by guys either his height or or, or obviously smaller than him. Uh, but Steph was away for a bit, so the bad game, you know, from Steph is understandable. You know, he had a lot of surprisingly open looks that just didn't knock down, right? He just couldn't get them to fall. Uh, the Warriors were struggling against the Suns lineup without, their, without the Suns' A-team, so it was a tough watch for sure. Now, what makes this loss crazier is obviously that it happened at home for the Warriors. Um, so the Suns, the Suns go into an unlikely situation, right? Basically down their whole core and on the road, and they come out with a win, right? So Suns were up 64-37 to in the third quarter, right? And it was just one of those games for the Warriors where everything goes wrong, right? Passes bouncing the wrong way, unfortunate dribble mistakes, playing a little too loose with the ball, which led to a lot of bad turnovers. You combine that with the great with the great three-point shooting night for any opponent, and the game's pretty much chalked up, right? It's over. Uh, the Suns shot 45% from three as a team, right? That's insanity. That's awesome, right? And the Warriors shot 38%, which is still good, right? It's not bad, uh, but the Warriors took 48 threes, and the Suns only took 31. This was, this was a 20-point blowout game throughout the entire game until like the final three to four minutes of the fourth quarter, which was crazy. The Suns, for like two minutes straight, were struggling to get the ball across half court, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times Andrew Wiggins was picking pockets in the half court, right? Leading to fast break points or leading to just points for the Warriors, but it was too little too late, right? By the time this game ended, uh, but the Suns were choking, the whole final couple of minutes in this game. Like, had this game gone on for like a couple more minutes, playing against the Suns B team at your own arena, right? You got to win that game. You got to win that game, right? Uh, last night uh, was uh, was an interesting, just, you know, so many players out uh, of the lineups, right? And I go to see, you know, okay, cool. We're going to watch some Heat Bucks, right? Interesting little game. Uh, no Grayson Allen, no Giannis, no Serge Ibaka, no Joe Ingles, no Chris Middleton. Uh, for the Heat, no Tyler Hero, right? A couple other guys that weren't there either. Um, but, you know, you, you, you're you starting to see this night in and night out. You know, whether guys are hurt, but I'm mainly talking about, um, you know, the rest, right? The guys that are actually just being rested, right? You know, you go to the the Celtics-Nets game, which was the game that I that I ended up watching last night. Um, you know, it's just like no Jalen Brown, no Al Horford. Jalen Brown, obviously, he's injured. Uh, KD, we know he's injured. Uh, no Al Horford either. You know, so it's unfortunate. Um, I feel like more often than not, when I'm watching a game, uh, somebody's out, right? And not just anyone, right? A core player to a rotation, right? And and that's something that just after talking about all these guys out, right? Like, I realized, you know, the next TV deal is going to be interesting to see with the NBA because you're losing ratings, you're losing viewership, you're losing the fans' trust in buying tickets because 
the fan, and I've talked about this a couple of times, and this is a known problem in the NBA. Uh, the fans are hesitant to buy tickets sometimes because it's like, wow, do I get this ticket a week from now? And then maybe the players are resting when they come to town. You know, it's a problem. And I think that, you know, I'm not I'm not in the business of creating solutions for the NBA. I'm in the business of talking about the NBA. But I did come across, you know, some ideas in my head. Right. Obviously. But the only one that I thought would be realistic is just get rid of the back to backs. Right. Like. And listen, guys, I am not on the side of, hey, man, these guys need to rest all the time, blah, 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 right? I'm not on the side of resting. But I do need to say this. Um, we need to combat the problem right now. How do we combat the problem? Now, there's a couple of ideas that you've heard, right? Like like uh, cut the season, right? Like maybe 10 games less. And then you spread out the games a little more. That's something that I was thinking about as well, and I think that it's not a bad idea, but you run into the problem of, obviously, less tickets, right? Less games, less money for the teams, less, uh, just, you know, just whenever less money is part of the equation, the idea probably gets thrown out the window, right? Because let's be honest, this is about making money, right? It's an entertainment business, it's, you know, it's the sports industry, right? Money needs to be made, so that is something that I understand. I'm not going to be stupid about that, right? Like, oh yeah, let's just, uh, let's cut the season in half, right? Everyone will be cool with that. No, you know, the players will get paid less, obviously less games. Um, and, you know, the arenas, you know, the employees, the staff that are in the arenas, they don't make as much money. Uh, the NBA revenue in general, right? The TV deals kind of, you know, it, it's just not a good look, right? You cut, you put less games it, it's going to take a toll financially. Now, what I will say that could be done is, okay, keep the same number of games, but adjust the schedule to where there's no more back-to-backs, right? Or maybe just like way less back-to-backs, right? Like, I don't know, maybe one back-to-back uh, per season. I, I guess I don't know how you would do that though, right? Because we're talking about 82 games. So, you know, tricky topic, tricky situation. I know that the NBA is not happy with the players resting. Uh, they, they, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big problem. It's one of the few problems the NBA has. Um, and it's one of the problems I'm very, very tired of. And a lot of people that I know personally uh, have kind of been tired of watching the NBA because of this, right? They, they flip on their, the game, right? And then they see that a couple of players are just out due to rest or like soreness or, you know, whatever it is. And it, it's a turnoff for the fans, for sure, you know, because how can you how can you make plans that you're going to go watch a game and then, you know, you got the chips, you got the food, you got people over and the main attraction isn't there, right? Like, it's just, you know, it's not good, right? So I would say get rid of the back-to-backs, right? Keep the same number of games, spread out the schedule. Now the season might get longer, right? But then, you know, that that's just going to have to, you know, I don't know. I don't know, but it's just my thought, right? Because play, the, the excuse now is, oh, well, well, this player just isn't going to play back-to-backs, right? Like Kawhi, Kawhi does not play back-to-backs. Like a lot, a lot of players around the league, the back-to-back is an excuse not to play. And I think if we get rid of that, I think it's a step in the right direction. You know, it's it's really hard for me to come up with a solution because I don't know, you know, I don't know the numbers, right, when it comes to the money and, and how does this work with scheduling and travel and all that stuff. You know, I'm not good with that stuff. I don't, I'm not in that business. Uh, but I do think that you get rid of back-to-backs, you get rid of an excuse for players not to play, right? Uh, get a little extra rest, 
and it increases the odds of players playing. That's just me. So I want to talk about um, this Celtics-Nets game. Now, it was a good game, but I don't actually... Let me rephrase that. I don't actually want to talk about the Nets-Celtics game. I want to talk about the the elephant in the room for the Nets, right? And at this point, I mean, it's the loudest elephant in the room, right? Like, it's Ben Simmons, right? It's This is the part that gets complicated because... You know, you hear on TNT, if you watch the game, Kenny, Shaq, and Ernie, and, and Chuck, they are basically disagreeing with Kenny, right? The three of them are disagreeing with Kenny because Kenny is defending the fact that Ben Simmons, while he may not go and get buckets, he's going to find you buckets, right? And the rest of the crew is basically saying, well, no, he needs to also be a threat offensively. Like, he needs to at least look at the rim and try to attack. And to that, I agree 100%. You know, you look at a guy like Ben Simmons, right, in this stat line, zero points, one block, two steals, 13 assists, nine rebounds. So, you know, 0 for 3 from the field. Three attempts in 26 minutes, you know, the problem that we continue to see with Ben Simmons is he refuses to, you know, put shots up, right? He refuses to attack the basket. And I'm going to say this, man. This is a dude that, man, he's giving you 13 assists, 9 rebounds, 2 steals, and a block. It's a big stat line. And by the way, he was the only plus on this team, actually, now that I think about it. Let's see. Uh, Joe Harris, minus 7. Royce O'Neal, minus 3. Nick Claxton, minus 6. Kyrie Irving, minus 11. TJ Warren, minus 12. Watanabe, minus 16, Steph Curry, minus 6, yep, and Sumner, minus 4. So yeah, Ben Simmons at a plus 10. You know, this is a guy that he solves a lot of problems, but him not scoring creates a problem. You know, he, like I said, he solves a lot of problems, but when it comes to him just being out there, it's it's also a handicap to the Nets because... Teams are playing, uh, the Nets are playing four on five offensively, right? And you could say if the game is sped up, right? Like in in, in transition, they're playing in fast break situations. Uh, they just run up and down. Ben Simmons is a big threat because he could be a lob threat or he's just going to find guys in transition, right? Like with his outlet passes. He had amazing passes uh, in that Celtics-Nets game. And that's not in question when it comes to Ben Simmons. But when you're not even looking at the rim, when you're not attacking you are no longer in the mind of the defense, right? Like, they're not even worried about you, right? Because they know you're going to dish it out, especially when he's driving, right? Which is rare, right? When he's driving to the basket, he has this move. It's like a, it's, it's a hook shot that he has. And my theory is he's throwing up that hook shot to kind of avoid contact, right? So that he doesn't have to get to the free throw line. He didn't, let me see. I want to make sure that I get this right before I even say it. Yeah, he didn't even get to the free throw line this game. Like, zero free throw attempts. So, you know, when he does that hook shot, he, like, turns away so far from the defender. Just, and I see it, you know. It's it's like, if you guys want to go back and look at those hook shots from Ben Simmons, you can see that the only reason he's throwing those up is, like, okay, uh, barely any time left in the shot clock. Or clearly someone very undersized is guarding him. So, But he does that hook shot to kind of avoid being fouled by the defender, right? Like he puts the ball very far out and then he tries to, to throw that hook, which he airballs, which he barely reaches rim. Sometimes it goes in, 
You know, let's be honest. Sometimes it goes in, but but you know, I've seen air balls from him. I've seen him hit front rim. I've seen him just look uncomfortable, and it really looks like just an attempt without a chance for being fouled because he doesn't want to go to the free throw line. That's what I noticed. I don't like that hook shot from Ben Simmons. Not a fan of it um, because it, it just looks like he's avoiding contact by doing it. Um, you know, and and that's. That's a problem with these nets, you know, and and I was saying, you know, during this time that KD is out, this is going to be a big moment for Ben Simmons to kind of, you know, take off with bigger responsibility. Now, I think that, you know, it's 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 still pretty early in the KD uh, injury window. Right. So hopefully we see some good things from Ben down the line. Right. Before KD comes back, Um, because I feel like this is a great opportunity for him to really to kind of fit himself into this offense uh, in a way that makes him more of a threat attacking wise, right? Because he is a passing threat, right? He's, his head is always up looking at, looking for teammates, looking for windows and opportunities. But, you know, I want to see aggressive Ben Simmons, you know, and people have been saying that for a very long time. So, you know, it's just interesting to see like how effective he is and he's not even scoring the ball, right? Like, that's impressive to me, you know, as much as everyone wants to hate on Ben Simmons, you grab double digit assists, nearly double digit rebounds, you're a plus 10 while everyone else is in the minus column, and you didn't even put up a, sh- well, you did put up three shots, but like you didn't even score, that's impressive, you know, but that's, that's like, that's why I think that this guy has such high potential for this team, like he, he, he really pushes that ceiling up for this team, because defensively, this guy's blocking shots. This guy's poking balls away in the back and in, in wherever it is, front court, back court. Um, you know, he, let's say he loses the ball or the Nets turn it over. Ben Simmons really speeds up to get back on defense, but like he he's very tricky, right? Like he'll he'll hide behind the the, the offensive the other offensive player, uh, kind of bringing it up for the other team, and he'll like come up from behind real quick. Like he does like a full sprint. And he'll use his long arms to kind of poke the ball away and catch him by surprise. So he's very active in that sense, right? Um, So he does a lot for this team. It's just we need him. Listen, to me, I want to see him. If he can just get us, right? If he can just get the nets, I'm going to be very fair here. 10 points. 10 points. You give me 10 points, 10 rebounds. You know, uh, obviously the assists are always going to be there. So this could potentially be 10, 10, and 10, right? And if you want to say, okay, no rebounds, right? Like, let's just say he Nick Claxton's grabbing a bunch of boards. KD's grabbing a bunch of boards. Kyrie gets a, a, a couple of boards, actually. Um, pretty good rebounder for the position. But, um, you know, I think that that Ben, if he, if he can give us like 10, 7, and 10, right? Which is super realistic for him that's that's great for this team you know because he's gonna get you some blocks he's gonna get you steals he's gonna get some stops right he's gonna help get stops even if the stops on defense don't show up on the stat sheet right they're not counted stats right even if they're not steals you know he could poke the ball away um you know really put some pressure on multiple positions on the opposing team so he's very valuable you know it's just the offense that people have a problem and I have a problem obviously uh, but yeah, I want to move on with this interesting, you know, bit of LeBron information, right? Like, you know, I saw this and it's just, you know, it just goes to show 
a guy that's that's just been unstoppable throughout his entire career from day one. I read this right, and it's just you know it just goes to show just the the just how impressive his career has been. You know, uh, here it is right. So LeBron officially has more points than MJ, right? So more points than Michael Jordan, more assists than Magic, more steals than Allen Iverson, more triple doubles than Larry Bird. And more field goals than Will Chamberlain. It's like he's he's great at everything, right? Like it's it's crazy. Now the shooting, right? Um, and like I said, I was never really a big LeBron, like a LeBron guy, right? I was never really a LeBron guy growing up. Um, but you know, just reading that stat out, right? Like just more points than a player that's like just one thing, right? Like MJ was the elitist of the elite. In terms of scoring, right? Uh, assists against Magic. Magic was the elite of the elite in passing, right? Steals, right? More steals than Iverson. Iverson was a pickpocketer, you know. Uh, more triple doubles than Larry Bird. Larry Bird was oh, was playing with a with a lot of stacked teams. Now LeBron's played with stacked teams, right? Can't get that out of the way. Um, but you know, Larry Bird had those um, a lot of Hall of Famers on his team at the time, and Larry Bird was a great passer, right? amazing passer, um, you know, and, and obviously the triple doubles, right? Getting his rebounds, getting his assists and scoring, right? But LeBron's got more than him and more field goals than Wilt. Now, you know, it's obviously a different era, right? So, you know, but, but it's just impressive to me to see a player that people say is a pass first guy, right? But he's about to lead the entire league in scoring, right? When he passes Kareem and, he has more assists than Magic, and he has more points than MJ. It's just like, I feel like I'm going in circles, but it just feels like like a guy that we always said was a pass-first guy is, is surpassing some of the best scorers of all time. He's surpassing guys that were just some of the best pickpocketers in, in the history of the NBA. Now I would still say that Magic was a far better passer than than LeBron. I think that I think that obviously the pace and and more possessions and things like that they really do help, right? And also LeBron's an Iron Man, right? Like he doesn't miss games. LeBron's had a very long career. LeBron didn't play in college, so there's a lot of factors that help that, right? That help LeBron passing a lot of these guys. Um, but you got to think about it, like these other guys that they went to college, right? And they, you know, they came into the NBA a little bit older and careers weren't as long and they weren't as dominant as LeBron for this long, right? Uh, For the most part, right? Like numbers wise, if you want to compare them at the ages, like LeBron is just, you know, he's still putting up peak LeBron numbers and you got to think to yourself, there's no other word to say it. It's just impressive, right? To see someone dominate in categories that if we were to just like rapid fire question people, um, these are categories that you would name these players before you name LeBron, right? Like, oh, best passer. People are going to say magic. It's just going to come up to you right away. Best scorers. Some people will say KD. Some people are going to say Kareem, obviously, because he's the leading scorer. Um, Or some people are going to say MJ, right? But no, you know, LeBron is about to pass all of them in scoring. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It is amazing to see that. And I did want to give, obviously, LeBron his credit. He gets a ton of credit already. Gets a lot of hate, uh, but he does get a lot of credit. Gets a lot of, you know, 
relevancy in terms of when you turn on the TV, that's all they talk about, man. Um, but yeah, you know, I just wanted to talk about that, you know, just kind of, uh, throw some appreciation towards LeBron definitely deserving, had an amazing career, but I will say this, man, they lost to the Mavs, uh, in double OT and I see him smiling with Luca after a game and you know, just how awful the Lakers have been the last couple of years. It just doesn't sit right with me, right? As a Laker fan. And I don't make a big deal about players being cool with each other and things like that, right? Like I'm not this old school guy, you know, all the players got to hate each other or whatever. Not, not really. You know, I'm not, I'm not on that path, right? I don't think like that. Um, but I just don't see how you can be all happy and laughing at the end of a game with the way the season's been looking, right? I mean, that's just me. That's just me. I don't, I'm not a fan of that, right? Like to, to me, I'm not saying I want you to be miserable, you know? No, that's stupid. But man, you know, like I'm not trying to compare LeBron to Kobe. I, I really hate when, uh, when people compare such different players to each other, but it's why I've, I, I'm a fan of certain players because I, I love seeing uh, a player be passionate about a loss. You know, I, I love watching players hate to lose, you know, watching players, uh, you know, be super sad in a loss, right? Like you, because you see that it doesn't give off the impression that they don't care, you know, and maybe I'm in the minority when it comes to that, but I do think that there is something to be said about seeing a player show their emotions uh, in terms of, you know, you lost, they don't want to talk to anyone, they walk away, they're sad, you know, maybe they're crying, whatever it is. I like to see the player hate losing, right? Because it, 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 as a fan, you're thinking to yourself, you know, this guy, this guy cares so much, you know, he wants to win so bad, you know, versus when I see a guy laughing it up at the end of a game and the season's been terrible, the Lakers have been irrelevant uh, for a couple of years, it's been a disaster season so far, and, you know, you lose in a double OT game to a Mavs team that that we know, it, that we, well, we assume, right, isn't a team that's really playing the type of basketball that's going to win a championship, right? Uh, I mean, the Mavs have been a one-man show all season long. And, you know, and, and to lose to them in double OT, you know, it's just, it's just you think about that stuff and you get, I get pissed. Cause I'm, I'm just like, I'm just like, come on, man. Like, what are we laughing about here? Like, the season's been trash. Last season was trash. The Lakers are irrelevant. We're not good right now, or the Lakers aren't good right now. You know, but anyways, I want to move on to this LaMelo ball experiment, right? So I'm going to let you guys hear this real quick. So there was a LaMelo ball and Carmelo Anthony social experiment with some kids at a gym. This guy shows up with a phone, and it's just to give you some context. So the guy, he goes around asking the kids the same question. Uh, when you hear Melo, what player do you think of? And yeah, surely enough, uh, yeah, listen to this. If I say the name Mello, who am I talking about? Which NBA player? Mello Ball. If I say the name Mello, which NBA player am I talking about? Carmelo Anthony. If I say Mello, who do you think of? Carmelo Ball. I say the name Mello, who do you think of? Carmelo Ball. When I say the name Mello, who do you think of? Carmelo uh, Ball. If I say the name Mello, who do you think of? Oh, Melo is. If I say the name Melo, who am I talking about? Melo Ball. Who? Wait. Melo Ball. If I say the name Melo, which which player am I talking about? Melo Ball. Craziness, right? Craziness. But I mean, you know, it's 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 a these are very young kids. Uh, Lamelo Ball is a, is a new face in the NBA. Uh, he was a high school. Uh, he was very popular high school player. 
you know, social media really grabbed hold of LaMelo Ball as well. Uh, LeVar Ball obviously doing great marketing, you know, uh, however you feel about LeVar Ball. But obviously, you know, this guy was living rent-free in a lot of people's heads, um, you know. But it's, it's, it's just, it's, I mean, for me, for a fan like me who's been watching the NBA for a while now, you know, I'm thinking, man, you know, I mean, Carmelo, Carmelo played last season, you know, for some of the young people. Watching this, you know, it, it's just the youth seeing a player that they grew up watching on YouTube and then they get to the NBA and, you know, they're a social media star, right? Because a lot of people love LaMelo Ball. The shoes are out now. You know, he's he's like the new shiny NBA toy, right, in a sense, you know, and the kids really, they relate to LaMelo Ball, you know, very young guy um, and he's a very flashy player. You know, the passes he makes are amazing. Uh, he played overseas, obviously, high draft pick, um, and it's crazy, you know, because he plays for the Hornets, right? So you would think, you know, that that would affect him in a way, but man, you know, social media is has just gotten so big and the exposure is so big that a guy like LaMelo Ball, it, it's it's unfortunate to say, but, you know, even with, with Carmelo Anthony, now he, he's not on a team right now, but he was playing last season, you know, and he was playing for the Lakers, you know, and you and you start to think to yourself, wow, these kids are already like not even thinking about Carmelo, right? The first name they think about is Lamelo Ball. You know, that's pretty, it's pretty wild. You know, it's pretty wild. But it doesn't, I guess it doesn't surprise me because you know, it's it's not you know these kids didn't grow up watching Melo, right? That's from our generation, right? Uh, Denver Nuggets Carmelo, you know, New York Knicks Carmelo. Um, you know, nonetheless, it was interesting to watch that experiment. I was laughing, uh, but I was also kind of, kind of like, you know, depressed because <laughs> I was like, man, never thought I'd see someone take Melo's nickname. Uh, and it's really looking like uh, pretty relevant now, you know, depending on, you know, what circles you're in. I mean, obviously, if you're in my age group, you know, if you're 30 or like 25 plus, you know, 20 plus, um, you know, maybe even like, like older teenage years, you know who Carmelo is. Uh, but these are really young kids, you know, these are kids that they did not watch Prime Carmelo, so they're not gonna they're not gonna you know resonate with that. But uh, I do want to also mention uh, you know the video for Luka Doncic is at four thousand views. Uh, I'm gonna be doing Jason Tatum's video. I'm gonna be working on that over the weekend, so stay tuned for that. I'll obviously announce it on the Instagram page. Uh, also, will announce it uh, when it's out on the next episode. Uh, whenever the video is out, I'll I'll put it on the show notes like I always do on the next episode. But yeah, that's going to do it for this one. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.